to episode 50 of Bee Boomer Unleashed, The History of Christmas, Part 1. I'm Jerry Lake, the Unleashed Baby Boomer, and I'll be your host for today's episode and for all the episodes of Bee Boomer Unleashed. Before we get into today's discussion, let me tell you, as always, where you can find our podcast. You can always find us at beboomerunleashed.podbean.com. You can find us on iTunes and Google Play at Be Boomer Unleashed, on iHeartRadio at B.Boomer Unleashed, on Facebook, Spotify, Tumblr, and Instagram. You can find our links at Be Boomer Unleashed, on Twitter at Be Boomer Unleashed One. And as always, we encourage you to drop us an email at Be Boomer Unleashed at gmail.com. Once again, that's Be Boomer Unleashed at gmail.com. Give us your comments, suggestions, and maybe ideas for future episodes. Well, this uh, series that we're starting here today, The History of Christmas, and today is part one, is going to be a three-part series. This week, we're going to talk about a little bit of the kind of the secular history, really, and we'll get into a little bit of the Christian aspect of Christmas, but we're talking mainly about how it's changed throughout the years. And then next week, we're going to take a little walk down memory lane with my son and daughter, Andy and Cassie, and we're going to talk about uh, some Christmas memories that they might have and some of the things that we did in the lake household and get their take and some of their opinions on how they think Christmas has changed over the years. And then on part three, we're going to go all the way back to what I consider the origin of Christmas, and that's the nativity, the birth of Jesus Christ. And we'll talk about that in particular detail in the third and final episode of this series. And then the last episode of the year, we're going to talk about New Year's resolutions and give you a sneak peek of what we're going to be looking at as we enter 2020. Well, as we begin this discussion, I'd like to say, you know, before I really started kind of studying this out, I don't know whether you were always of this opinion or not, but I know I was. I kind of thought that Christmas has just always been kind of like it is, that people always put up a tree. Somewhere along the line, Santa Claus came on the scene. They worshiped and celebrated the birth of Jesus. But that's not necessarily so. I was really quite surprised at some of the things that I learned along the way. And hopefully uh, you're a whole lot smarter than I am, and you probably already knew a lot of this stuff. But, you know, in case you didn't, maybe you'll pick up a few things from this as we go along, too. Let's go all the way back to 2000 B.C., when the ancient Egyptians of Abydos created the first quote-unquote Jesus-like character that they called Osiris. Now, Osiris was supposedly the god of the afterlife. Now, people have had gods and idols that they've worshipped for centuries and centuries. And uh, the ancient Egyptians were, were no different. They had this character Osiris that they worshipped, claiming that he was the god of the afterlife. So obviously they believed in an afterlife, and uh, they were worshipping these many gods, if you will, to try to do that. But they had a celebration around this uh, pagan idol. Then along about uh, 1500 BC, the Mycenaean Greeks worshiped Dionysus, the god of the resurrection. So they had these 
gods that they worshipped back then. And then in 500 B.C., early European peoples celebrated winter solstice. And they would look forward to longer days and the return of spring. And the Christmas tradition that we developed later of burning the Yule log actually descends from pagans who worship trees in the forest and who would bring them indoors and decorate them. Kind of sounds like they might have been a bunch of early tree huggers. What do you think? They worshipped nature, and they started decorating these trees and and uh, burning this Yule log. You know, those some of those were kind of picked up along the way as we got closer and closer to actually celebrating what we know today as Christmas. Now, in 45 uh, BC, Julius Caesar introduced the Julian calendar that made December 25th the winter solstice and the shortest day. So Julius Caesar made December 25th the official beginning of the winter solstice. The deities that these people worshipped back then had some similarities to Jesus of the Bible, but understand, they're just similarities. They have nothing to do with Jesus. But like, but like Osiris, they claimed that he was virgin-born. They claimed that he was the son of a god. He was a god's son, not the god's son. They believed uh, in the resurrection, that Osiris would raise them up from the dead, and that they believed that moral people will inherit or have eternal life. Well, then this uh, Dionysus, uh, of course, he wasn't, didn't claim to be virgin-born, but he was also the son of a god, is what the uh, uh, myth claimed. They believed in the resurrection, that there would be a resurrection, and that Dionysus was a part of that. And then, of course, we get to Jesus, the true uh, Savior of the world. Certainly, he was born of a virgin. He's the son not of a God, but he is the son of the God. He is the son of God. And, of course, he died. He was uh, crucified, and he rose again. And because of his resurrection, not because of our morality, but because of his resurrection, we can inherit eternal life. And then uh, along around 3 B.C., I guess, uh, Jesus was born. Christ was born in Bethlehem. And then around 30 A.D., Christ was crucified in Jerusalem. And and then I guess it was along about uh, 220, 222 B.C., Roman Emperor Elagabalus introduced a holiday he called Dies Natale Solis Invictae that was celebrated on December 25th. That really, translated, means birthday of the unconquered sun. So they were sun worshipers. They worshiped these stars and sun and the, and the moon and all these things. They, they, they worshipped this. He uh, uh, set up this holiday on December 25th. Now, in 275 A.D., the early Catholic church fathers banned the use of mistletoe in Christmas celebrations due to their pagan origin. The All religions, even Christianity, were legalized in the Roman territory along about 313 A.D. So we start having uh, a little more freedom of worship during this time instead of everybody being completely 
under the thumb of Rome or the Roman Catholic Church. And uh, but you know, in uh, three three about three fifty A.D., there was a Catholic writer and a leader in the church at that time called Arrhenius, and he made no mention of Christmas in his lists of Christian celebrations. So, you know, the Catholic Church really didn't recognize Christmas as a Christian celebration. As we move on down through the history, long about the fourth century. Christmas began being celebrated as Christ's birthday. So it wasn't until about 430 A.D. or the 4th century that Christ's birthday was celebrated on on what we called Christmas, and it was called the Feast of the Nativity. And it was also celebrated in Egypt. The Catholic Saint Augustine encouraged fellow believers not to celebrate December 25th as the pagans did in honor of the sun. He didn't want to celebrate it on that day. And But then in, the, in about 560, the Council of Tours proclaimed 12 days from Christmas to Epiphany as sacred and festive season. The 12 days of Christmas, you wondered where that came from? Well, there we have it. And then Pope Gregory I wrote to Miletius, his missionary in England, telling him not to stop such ancient pagan festivities, but to adapt them to the rites of the church, only changing the reason of them from a heathen reason to a Christian impulse. And that was long about the 6th century. So there's been this progression through the ages that uh, have changed the face of the way people look at Christmas. It hasn't always been a celebration of Jesus' birthday. And it hasn't always been celebrated the same way. And as we get into more modern times as we go along here, you're going to understand that even in the United States of America, it wasn't a big deal for a long time. During the 10th century, Christianity and Christmas spread to Russia emerged with the Slavic winter celebrations that honored the spirits of their forebears. So Christmas even made its way to Russia. Then in 1377, King Richard II hosted this big Christmas feast. St. Francis of Assisi, just about 100 years before that, first recorded nativity scene was created by that. You know, everybody has a nativity scene. They have a a stable and a baby Jesus in a manger and Mary and Joseph and all the wise men and everybody that was involved there. And the nativity scene is a very popular Christmas decoration, but it was St. Francis of Assisi who recorded the first nativity scene. Now, in 1644, as we're getting closer to modern times, Parliament in England banned Christmas and abolished the religious festivals of Christmas, Easter, Whitsun, and other holy days. Can you imagine that? Parliament in England in the 1600s banned Christmas. Well, then there was a ban on Christmas imposed in the Massachusetts Bay Colony. That was along about 1660. No more Christmas. Can't have Christmas. But in 1659, the year before that, they lifted the ban on Christmas in the U.K. So U.K. bans Christmas, then they say Christmas is okay, and then up in Massachusetts, they say, oh, no more Christmas. Then 1700, as we're getting closer to our day-to-day, the hot British drink called Posset 
is renamed eggnog by being served in small cups known as a noggin. So we had this eggnog tradition that came into Christmas. Then along about 1772, the Baptist Church of Newport, Rhode Island observed Christmas for the first time. This was about 130 years after the founding of the first Baptist Church in New England. So in 1772, they celebrate Christmas in this Baptist Church for the first time. And then in 1773, the first Santa reference in the news media. This official name at that time was Saint St. A. Klaus. And that happened in the Riverton Gazetteer, and that first reference was made in 1773. Now, the first mention of hanging the stockings by a fireplace, you know, their stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. Well, that was from the writings of Washington Irving that describe how stockings are miraculously filled in the morning, and that was about 1809. Then uh, about 1816, the story of the Nutcracker from uh, Ernest Theodore Amadeus Hoffman. It was originally published under the title of The Nutcracker and the Mouse King. So there comes the Nutcracker. Then in 1822, Clement Clark Moore wrote, "'Twas the Night Before Christmas." a poem in which all Santa's reindeers are named. Can you believe that? That's the first time Santa's reindeers had a name. Now, here's where it got really kind of weird to me. Alabama in 1836. Now, this is not long ago, folks. 1836, Alabama became the first U.S. state to legalize Christmas. So you had to make Christmas legal. Uh, Louisiana and Arkansas make Christmas a legal holiday in 1838. Then in 1843, uh, Charles Dickens writes a Christmas carol. Remember Ebenezer Scrooge and the Three Spirits of Christmas? And John Calcott Horsley, a Londoner, designed the very first Christmas card in 1843. I thought maybe his name might be Hallmark, but it wasn't. So this guy uh, designs a Christmas card, and, you know, hence we start sending Christmas cards, don't we? Then in uh, 1848, Queen Victoria and Prince Albert display a Christmas tree at Windsor Castle for the first time, and it started this trend in England. Well, President Franklin Pierce in 1856 was the first U.S. president to bring a Christmas tree into the White House. I just thought we'd always had Christmas trees, didn't you? No. Here we're in 1856, and the first time we have a Christmas tree in the White House. And then in 1857, the song Jingle Bells, as it is now known, was published by James Lord Pierpont under the title One Horse Open Sleigh. (laughs) I remember when I was a kid, I thought they were saying One Horse Soap. In the sleigh. I didn't know what they were doing with the soap, but it's one horse open sleigh. And uh, that was in 1857. Then in 1863, Thomas Nast's earliest published picture of Santa Claus is featured in an 1863 edition of Harper's Weekly and showed Santa Claus visiting a Civil War camp. That was 1863. And then not until 1870 was Christmas declared a federal holiday in the United States. Then, about 1875, the first Christmas cards were printed in America by Louis Prang. Then the the illustration by Thomas Nast featured in Harper's Weekly. 
1881 cemented the popular image of Santa Claus as we think of him today. The first Christmas lights. How about that? The first Christmas lights are invented by Edward H. Johnson, who was Thomas Edison's partner in 1882. So imagine that, those first Christmas lights back in 1882. Then the Nutcracker in 1892, this ballet with Tchaikovsky's music was performed for the first time. In 1897, Francis P. Church of the New York Sun answered a young girl's letter, which asks if there really is a Santa Claus. Remember, yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. And that was in 1897. Then in 1907, Oklahoma becomes the very last state to legalize Christmas. So in 1907, Oklahoma did that. In 1923, we had the first national Christmas tree lighting at the White House. And then uh, in 1931, Coca-Cola creates their version of Santa Claus for advertising. Coca-Cola and Santa Claus go together just like uh, French fries and ketchup, don't they? But Coca-Cola created their version of Santa Claus for advertising in 1931. Then in 1942, Bing Crosby's I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas. That White Christmas movie is released in 1942. Then in 1946, A Christmas Carol is produced as a movie. Also, I mean, that was 1951. In 1946, It's a Wonderful Life. You remember that? It's a Wonderful Life. Kind of a take on the Christmas Carol, but a little more modern-day version of it. You had old George there and and, uh, how he figured out that maybe he was worth something after all. In 1955, the... NORAD, or the North American Aerospace Defense Command, they begin tracking Santa using hotlines, radios, and newspaper. You remember that? Back when they tracked Santa Claus as he went through the sky. Then in 1959, the first uh, published work of Dr. Seuss, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And uh, that was in 1959. And uh, then, of course, in the 60s, that became a movie. There were other Christmas movies that came along, and now we just have all kinds of them, don't don't we? Remember A Christmas Story, uh, Home Alone, The Muppet Christmas Carol, remember all of that? And then we get up in the 90s, uh, we have the concept of the e-card. Now we're no longer mailing Christmas cards, we're sending people e-cards. And then in 1999, the North American American, the North American Aerospace Defense Command, they started tracking Santa on the internet, so you could tune into the internet, and talk to, or watch Santa. As a matter of fact, a few years ago, I'm a ham radio operator, and I talked to Santa Claus via ham radio. Can you believe that? I talked to the Santa Claus. I think he was the real one. What do you think? Then a movie, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, uh, 2003, 2004, along in there. And then they have more movies like Elf. Uh, NORAD gets uh, a million Facebook fans uh, by 2011, tracking Santa. Then in 2004, we have the Polar Express, Disney's Christmas Carol. The list goes on and on and on of those things that have happened in relationship to Christmas. Now, let's talk just for a couple of minutes here in the time we have left 
about some of the most popular Christmas gifts through the decades. In the 1900s, for example, it was Crayolas and a rocking horse. Were any of you alive in 1900? 1910s, they became teddy bears, raggedy ants, Lionel trains, early Lionel trains back in the 1910s. 1920s, we stepped up to Tinker Toys, radio flyer wagons, Joy buzzers, remember the little thing you wound up and you put it in your hand, you shook somebody's hand and went, Bzzzt. you know, that was a great Christmas gift back in the 1920s. Then in the 1930s, Shirley Temple was a big deal back then, so they had Shirley Temple dolls. Remember the Viewmaster? Uh, Monopoly, that was a big Christmas thing in the, in the 1930s and all kinds of little army men to play army with. Then in the 1940s, the game Scrabble uh, came out. That was a popular game. The Slinky, anybody ever had a Slinky? Anybody ever tear up a Slinky? Then you had the Magic 8 Ball. Then, believe it or not, in the 1940s, Silly Putty. Silly Putty was invented. 1950s, Mr. Potato Head. Has anybody ever had a Mr. Potato Head? Loved to play with Mr. Potato Head. Play-Doh, Barbie, Legos came onto the scene back there in the, in the um, 1950s. Then in the 1960s, we move into G.I. Joe, Etch-A-Sketch, Easy Bake Ovens, Light Bright, Legos. Then in the 1970s, we have Star Wars action figures. Boy, oh boy. If you got some of the original Star Wars action figures still in the original packaging, which you probably don't have the packaging with it, but if you had that, worth a lot of money today. Speak and spell Rubik's Cube. Remember the Rubik's Cube and Legos again. Legos have been popular for a long time, haven't they? Then who could forget the Cabbage Patch Kids of the 1980s? Who could forget that? And Teddy Ruxpin, Care Bears, Glow Worm. The Cush Ball, Pound Puppies, My Little Pony, Transformers, all those in the 1980s. Then in the 1990s, you got Furby. Remember that little crazy animal, the Furby, that everybody wanted? Nintendo, uh, Troll Dolls, Power Rangers, Buzz Lightyear, Super Soakers, Beanie Babies, and guess what's on the list again? Legos. Then in the 2000s, Juju Pets, Nintendo Wii, Razor Scooters, PlayStation 2, Bratz, Xbox 360, Elmo Live, Tamagotchi, and once again, Legos. How about that? Then the 2010s, and uh, Zoomer Dog, Texter Robotic Puppies, getting into more high-tech stuff, Nerf Guns, Web Shooting Spider-Man, Furby Boom, and Ninja Turtles. And what do you think's on that list again? Yep, Legos. Great toys, Legos. And then in the teens, you got uh, Zoomer Dino, Monster High Crap. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Hot Wheels, Wii U, and Xbox One. And, of course, Legos are have been popular down through the ages since they first came on the scene. Now let's finish out this episode by looking at just what's really hot in 2019 when it comes to toys for Christmas. Now some of this stuff that we talk about on here is just really kind of weird, but it is what it is, and it's today's kids, okay? Let's look at some of the popular toys for boys. Can you say that? Can you say popular toys for boys and girls or 
should we confuse them that way? I don't know. But anyway, one of them is Butthead's Fart Launcher. <laughs> I'm just reading it, folks. I didn't make it up. Uh, but uh, the, the little description of it here says, From the beginning of time, kids have been infatuated with farts and things like stink bombs have been around for generations. So this is a stinky toy, I'd say. Then you've got something called the Grumball. Actually, it's a Grumball. And the Grumball toy growls and grumbles and features light-up eyes and rotating treads. The ball can be controlled through the joystick and can be set for different movements. The Grumball toy. I guess that's for today's angry child. What do you think? Now, here's another one. Pop Pop's Snot's Slammer Hammer. Who do you know who would love to pop, slam, suck up, and squirt gooey Pop Pop's Snot Slime Bubbles? What's not to like about that? You know, folks, (laughs) this stuff is just kind of a sign of the times, isn't it? Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't think I'm going to get my grandkids... Uh, this uh, launcher or the Grumbald toy or the Snot Slammer. They've got Treasure X Aliens, Transformers, Fast and Furious, radio-controlled cars, Hot Wheels, all that kind of stuff that they have out there today. Now, for the girls, one of the things they talk about for the girls is hair blinger. Hair blinger. So the girls who like bling can have the hair blinger. For girls who don't like bling, they can have, you know, the snot blaster or whatever that toy was called. And then they have uh, Go-Go Smart Friends Shimmering Seashell Castle playset. So they still have some girls who want to be girls, and they want to play with castles and and things of, of that nature. This year, they their dolls are uh, Juno, My Baby Elephant, Snap Stars Dolls, Candy Locks Toy Doll Review, Bloom Dolls, Hologram Barbie. Now, that's a good one, and Hologram Barbie. And, of course, the ever-famous Mattel's Barbie Dream Horse. And guess what, folks? Guess what's still popular? Legos. Well, you know, that's about all the time we're going to spend on that today. But that gives you just a little bit of historical perspective Next week, we're going to take a walk down memory lane with my kids, Cassie and Andy. They're not little kids anymore either. Andy is 40, and my daughter Cassie will be 40-something this month. She doesn't like to say that, but don't tell her that I said she's going to be 42, okay? So um, uh, we'll be talking to them. Hopefully, that'll be of interest to you. If it's not, it was interesting for me to get a talk with my kids on the show so we'll be doing that next week then the third week we're going all the way back to the time that jesus was born to the virgin mary in a stable in bethlehem and we're going to go into that in quite detail and then again last episode of the year new year's resolutions and what to look forward to in 2020 well hey it's been great being with you folks today I really enjoyed spending time with you and uh, hope you uh, are in the Christmas spirit 
and uh, you've uh, got your spiritual life all right with uh, Jesus this time of the year, and that you have a giving spirit to help those around about you. Christmas is just a special time, isn't it? It's a special time. No other time like it in the world. Well, listen, it's been great being with you. Thanks again. Have a great week, and may God bless each and every one of you. Goodbye.